Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the 12-6 Podcast. It's your boy, Mario. I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan. What up, Pop? Mario, my guy, how we doing? You know, we're still going through some depression uh, stages here, but, uh, you know, we're uh, we're getting through it somehow. We're getting through it, so. Yeah, man, I've been there. I, I know how it feels. It's it's tough when you go a whole, uh, what is it, eight-month season, and then it winds down by getting your ass kicked by the Astros. It's tough. You know what, man? I we got we could talk about that a little bit. I was gonna try and put out a recap of the you know just the series and and like all that went down. I just couldn't do it. I was gonna say some things I probably would have regretted, and you know I'm clear clear thoughts in my head, and we'll get to that, and then we'll get with the with the Bears being owned by Aaron Rodgers again, and all that stuff too. Um, but yeah, with that being said, the baseball season in Chicago is officially done. Obviously, the Cubs last month or the end of the season ended, and uh, the Sox didn't last that much longer. They went down in four games to the Astros. Um, Sunday night was great. That was, you know, one of the best baseball experiences I've had in my entire fandom as a as a Sox fan. So, at least we had that little small taste of victory. But overall, it was a big failure. I, any Sox fan can would uh, would agree with that statement. I mean, it just it wasn't what you expected it to be. I mean, we had so many, we had so many high points in the season where, where we were like, you know what, this team can get it done. And they still could have got it done, uh, but in the playoffs, you know, you got you got to hit your you got to hit your stride, and the Sox didn't. They just did not come out ready to play. Uh, yeah, when, no, you're right. Like, yeah. I mean, Sunday night we watched the game together. That was a great game. Like, you guys were down. I think it was five one, right? Bats came alive, stormed all the way back. Bullpen was lights out. That was a great game. Um. Like you said, it was a little, a little bit. It wasn't enough. Obviously, you only got one there, but that was a fun game. Um, I mean, at least you guys had that one. At least you weren't swept, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's like, I mean, and that's the thing that, like, as a Sox fan, you know, we've been like having to find those silver linings, you know, all like throughout the past, you know, since two thousand five. Really, it's been like, well, at least this happened, and at least that happened. It's like, no, it shouldn't be like that. I'm, I'm not. I mean, I enjoyed the victory. For sure, like, and that was like a small taste of victory and all that stuff. But, like, by no means am I going to say that was a successful, like, you know, overall like series for the team to like get their name out there and stuff. Like, no, like you guys, they failed. They should recognize it, and they have to come back and and obviously some guys who are on this team this year that won't be on the team next year. There'll be some new faces, of course, you know, and and obviously when teams are in the situation of the Sox where they can't really add as much terms of payroll death because of their ownership uh but they have some they can trim you know crazy things happen uh and crazy names get traded for you know other crazy names so that's something that as fans we can look forward to but at the end of the day bats didn't hit pitching starting pitching was absolutely god awful they pitched 13 in the third innings in the four games that's just not going to get it done um and then obviously watching the red sox beat the hell out of the astros here because last week callers jr is out um that's that uh that that kind of I don't know I kind of feel I guess indifferent on the situation. I think the Sox had the Red Sox number. I think they could have took them a little bit better, but you know the Astros having McCullers kind of put them ahead. Um, and uh, I don't know what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, on- no, I just I just really want I want to go back really quick to when you said that like Sox fans have had to try to find the silver lining for the last I don't know you said since two thousand five, so the last fifteen years. And no, you're right. Like this season, like. Like Billy Bean said in Moneyball, like if you don't win the last game of the year, right, that season is a failure. The whole objective, why you play 162, 
and ultimately make it to the playoffs is to win the last game of the year, World Series. And if you don't do that, it's a failure. But I do think that, like, Sox fans, you do have to look at that silver lining because, like, I don't think this is a unique take at all, but I kind of think that the Sox right now are kind of like the 2015 Cubs, like, really, really young. Um, the Cubs didn't really have that high of expectations where the Sox did have expectations this year, so that's really the only difference I see. But I kind of look at the 2015 Cubs when I look at this Sox team. Like, you're young, make it to the playoffs this year, bounce into next year with that under your belt, that experience, and guys are just going to keep getting better and better and better, right? We saw the same thing with, like, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez. Those guys just got better and better. So for Sox fans, I would look at it as, like you said, a silver lining. Like, good things did come out of this season. I like I can I see what you're saying too like with that and like obviously that's that's not, that's just because like I'm like dim and all that stuff and like no hope in my in my thoughts right now but no that's that's 100 true like we have to understand our team is young um, and I know like it's people look at it with like a ha- a glass half empty half full right so basically what you did here is one year the core is gone the the core necessarily being. Anybody ranging from Abreu, Robert, Jimenez, Moncada, Anderson, right? That core, that that one year is burned. So, you know, in terms of that core being together, they only got one more year, like technically speaking, with Abreu. But with TA and all those guys, you got another two, three years left. And then um, Vaughn, Vaughn will replace him. You guys will be fine. And Vaughn's going to be great. And that's another thing I want to touch on in a bit. But obviously, we're still in the postseason talk here. Um I think the Sox are probably going to be nearing more closer to 100 wins next year if they stay healthy. Considering the Central's pretty bad, I expect the Tigers big strides though. I think the team that definitely scares me the most in the AL Central next year, 100% the Detroit Tigers because they have great young players coming up through their system, and on top of that, they have a lot of money to spend. And I definitely see them targeting a guy like Correa or Seager to fill that void at shortstop that. It's really a big gap. They got guys like Zach Horton, you know, filler players playing there. And those guys obviously are just filler players. They're going to get somebody who's good. Um, so I think they are a team that I worry about. They're going to be that team that's going to finish with like 87, 86 wins, I think, next year if they make some signings. Uh, they certainly got the money for it. So, I mean, keep a lookout for that. But otherwise, the Sox own the Central next year. They own it how they own it in 2023, too. Is, so they need to go out. They need to understand Pond knows it better than anybody else. He's got a budget. He's got to determine who he has to cut from his payroll in order to add to holes on this team. Obviously, second base and right field are the holes. So, however they fill them, we need just a decent – just somebody, man. I mean, obviously, you you could have got Jock Peterson over Eden. It didn't, didn't work out that way, unfortunately. And look at Jock right now. He's killing the ball, right? So, there's like – the those kinds of things, those are the kinds of, of moves that you got to hit on in order to make it a certain way in the postseason. So, um, yeah, definitely silver lining. Looking forward to next year. Looking forward to this offseason. There's going to be some crazy moves made. It's just it's just one of those things. And then with the CBA and all that stuff expiring, we'll see how that works out and if there's a lockout. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 2022, here we come, I suppose. We're, we're on the way. We're on the road already. So, Yeah, no, for sure. But so, so, something I do want to talk about, and you, you brought it up, is your guys' division. Like, how many wins did you guys finish with? 95, 96? They finished with 93 wins. Astros, Astros had a couple more. Astros had 95. Okay. 
so in the playoffs, it was very clear that the Astros just they overmatched you guys. The pitching was better, hitting was better. Um, they had home field advantage. Dude, if you look at who they had to play, just in their division, their division was really, really good this year with um, the Mariners, sneaky team, almost made the playoffs last game of the year. The Athletics, they're a really good team. So their division was good. Like, they played tough teams all year long. And, dude, the AL Central was awful. Like, the, the teams you play the most are the teams you're in your division. And there really wasn't, like, any competition within your guys' division at all. So, like, going into the, going into the series, I just had, I had a feeling the Astros were the better team. I had a feeling they were going to beat you guys. And really, like, they had 95 wins in a really good division. Sox had 93, albeit you guys were injured all year long, but 93 in a division that really, really was not very good at all. I think that I think that the Sox, if they were healthy, like, it's just my thing, I think the Sox would have ended up probably a win or two away from 100, uh, maybe even a win or two over 100, somewhere around that range, because the way Luis Robert was at the end of the year, obviously Aloy, he had his injuries, but he's the kind of guy he has to get into a rhythm to. Um, and uh, Grandal was hurt for like a solid two months. Uh, TA was hurt off and on. And it's just one of those things where if they can stay healthy, which is like obviously a big if, and it's definitely not going to happen. And whoever they add this coming offseason, if they do make some significant additions, they have to stay healthy as well. Easily, easily they'll finish with near a, the top record in the American League, considering their division, considering the guys like the teams like the Rays and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays and the Yankees are going to be fighting for, you know, their postseason uh, spot as well, and they're all going to be finishing with, you know, it wouldn't be surprised if they all finished near 90-plus wins, right? So, Yeah, like the East, the East and the West just beat up on each other all year. And then, yeah, like in previous years, you know, the Indians were up. Really, it was the only – really the Indians last couple of years. But the Indians were down, obviously. The rest of the Central is really bad. East and the West beat up on each other. And the Sox are kind of like in a golden era right now. The rest of the division is like rebuild mode. You, you mentioned the Tigers. Like, they'll be decent, but they're not – like, I don't think they'll I, – I personally don't think they're going to be buyers. Like, I don't see them making huge splashes. I think they're going to rely on their young talent to try to carry them and get some wins. But I don't, I don't see them trying to contend for, like, a World Series next year. I think the so only team in the Central that will try to contend for a World Series will be the White Sox. So, I, I agree with, like, the World Series, right? But I think that the Tigers are going to make – moves to better themselves for like the next years they're kind of they're gonna i think they're gonna surprise a lot of people because of the way their team is set up the way they got their younger arms coming up and and they're like guys like casey mize and manning and spencer torkelson and whoever else they got coming up for their prospect depth there's some good ones there and they have you know very little money on the table that's why they're kind of a team that doesn't necessarily scare me but it's going to be like damn they're a pain in the ass they're going to be like that 88 win 87 win team in the division because it's so bad, which I think is good. I want a team that's competitive that is like fighting for a purpose in September or even in like August, you know, and it gives us that kind of like rivalry thing. We need that. We didn't have it. We had it with the Indians for like, you know, two months. And and like, we need that in our division to give us some sort of like competition and some sort of like, Hey, we're coming for that spot. We know you're the King of the central. We're coming for it. We're not going to just let you take it. That's the problem, I think. And, like, the whole, like, oh, we're going to be ready for the playoffs, like, two weeks, and you already had the, the division in your, in your hands. I mean, they had it. In August, they had it. We all knew it. 
the players are like, oh, we'll be ready. Like, I don't think that's how it works. It's just there's not a switch you can flip to be like, okay, it's playoff time. It's just not how it works. Um, and I think that's something that really, you know, came down on the Sox and their team. They just weren't – they didn't have that kind of, you know, tension or, or you know, anxiety or whatever you want to call it in them. Like teams like the Astros, right? They were being chased on all year by the Mariners and the A's. They, they didn't – the Sox didn't have that. You know, so I think that played into the part of, of the Astros, Gray Wall, and the Red Sox and teams like that, too. Yeah, and just from, like, a player's psyche, like, 162-game season, when you've got guys – or not guys, when you've got teams coming in and say, I don't know, mid-June, mid-July in your division when it's competitive, like, that gets players up, you know, in the middle of a grueling long season. Like, I think back to the Cubs, 2015, 16, 17. Like, every time the Cardinals and the Brewers came into Wrigley – or they went on the road to go play those guys, like those series meant something. They were very competitive. There's great atmospheres, even in June and July. So when you're when the teams in your division are competitive, and you're both fighting for that spot, like the players, like you said, they play up to that level. But yeah, like I kind of agree. Like the Sox, like middle of June, middle of July, when they're going to the Royals or they're going to Cleveland, like those weren't big series, you know. And throughout 162, that can just become monotonous. It's tough to get up for those games. Whereas, like you said, the East, like the Rays, Red Sox, Yankees, those are big, big series that the fans really get into. And uh, I think the players feed into it a ton. Yeah, and like to go off of that too, like I go back to a series in August. It was like the beginning of August. And it was like, it was in Kansas City. It was like 105 degrees or whatever. And the Sox were playing the Royals in the that was the last of a four-game set, and it was clearly obvious that the Sox did not want to play that game. It was, like, 100% obvious, and in the ninth inning, they were down by, like, three or four runs or whatever, and Adam Engel came up, and he swung at two pitches that were absolutely god-awful, and the third pitch he swung at, which I believe was, like, you know, like a like 97 or something at his eyes, he swung at that too. He turned around, he ran back to the dugout, and he put his helmet away, and, he, you know, he walked away or whatever. Like, <laughs> those are the kinds of things I don't want to see as much next year. Like, obviously they were not in that game and like, you want to have more comp- like competition within your division for sure. Like that's not going to happen. Obviously from teams like the Royals and the twins are probably going to have to do some retooling. And the Indians have already said that, you know, they might trade those air mirrors and all that stuff too. So uh, my hope is the Tigers. I hope they have some sort of, you know, they make some sort of splash, splashy signings. I mean, give them Correa, give them whatever the hell. Like, let's get let's get them a little bit better. Reunite the cheaters. Re- reunite them, right? That's the thing. Everybody thinks AJ Hinch and Correa are going to go back with each other. Bring the buzzers. <laughs> He's bringing the buzzers. He's bringing Bring the buzzers with the trash cans, the whatever the hell they were using, the secret cameras in the outfield, all that shit. They're going to bring it back. It's coming. So, um. One thing I want to ask you, Ryan, and this is this is something that I noticed on Twitter this week, and I just want your thoughts as an unbiased uh, bystander, let's call you. Okay, so somebody was saying that – not somebody. People I, – I don't know who brought it up. I don't know who started it, but it sparked great conversation uh, regarding a – who I think is a superstar in the making in Andrew Vaughn, right? Do you think the White Sox – if they get a – obviously, this is kind of like, you know, answering its own question in the sense that, you know, you can trade anybody in, a, in, in, a, in if the situation's right. But are you actively looking to trade Andrew Vaughn in a trade if you're Rick Hunt? 
Well, that's, I mean, that's like a, that's a loaded question. I mean, it totally depends on what, like what the offers are, what, what they'd be asking for. Like, okay, but like if I ask it to you like this, right? Like, are you actively going out to like, so like, basically I, like going yeah. in the off season, telling people he's yeah, on the block. Mike Trout's available. You're like, Hey, like, you know, we heard that Mike Trout's available. We're again, we, we'll give you Andrew Vonner. Even that's kind of a stretch, but just saying like, Hey, you know, we're looking for pieces in these positions we're loaded at first base because we got Gavin Sheets and you know all their guys in the system Andrew Vaughn's available just letting you know are you actively going out there and like putting his name out there specifically to in a trade I obviously like you just you just posed this question to me so I haven't thought about it at all but my gut instinct would be saying yes that nothing should nobody should be off the table especially a person like Andrew Vaughn because you never know what you never know what offers are going to be yielded in return right like, what if somebody offers you a top-of-the-rotation starter or a bullpen piece, a lockdown bullpen piece? So, personally, like, I think the Sox, where they have where they have areas of upgrade that are needed, like, I would say, yes, Andrew Vaughn's name is on the table. And if the right offer comes, I, I for sure think that – that I, I think Han would, be, or Han would be willing to let go or uh, let him go if, if the right offer comes across. Like I, I know he's young. It was his first full year of Major League Baseball, and uh, my uh, my girlfriend's brother he played at Louisiana Tech, and he actually faced Andrew Vaughn at a tournament once, and uh, he said he was the best college hitter that he's ever seen. And this was a guy that's played a lot of baseball and he's played a lot of, against a lot of really, really, really good, talented people. He said he was the best pure hitter he's ever seen. So, like, yes, this guy is tremendous talent. He's very young. But I don't think you take anybody off the table, especially for the Sox, who, if they get a certain piece, like, who knows? They could be a World Series contender next year. So I think his name's on the table. I think I, – I, I agree with, like, everything you said. Like, the thing that I kind of, like, would, would kind of, like, stray away from, though, is, like, am I going out and saying to teams, like, hey, like, I'm interested in so-and-so or, like, not even that you're interested in anybody specifically. You're just letting it be known that, hey – Andrew Vaughn is on the table more so than other people, I guess. I think that that's where I kind of, like, want to step back a little bit. Obviously, if, like, a really elite player is, like, on the market and you can say, hey, we got Crochet and, 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 like, a Vaughn package, then I might do it. But I don't think I'm actively going out and saying, hey, like, Andrew Vaughn is one of our chips and we're going to be moving this offseason for a a bigger piece. Uh, Come out and, like, give me your offers. I mean – if somebody's available out there, then you say, "Hey, we'll give you Vaughn." Right? You don't want to, you just don't want to give away a guy like that, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, so let let me ask you. So, like, obviously, you watched a lot more Andrew Vaughn than I did, and this might come off as like a dumb question, but I'm looking at his stats right now, and like nothing really besides the home run numbers, which they're not like, in almost 500 plate appearance, he had 15 home runs. His on-base percentage is barely over 300. Like, this might sound dumb, but like, what are you? What what did like what did you see about him that would say nope, he's untradeable? All right. So obviously, Ryan definitely knows this. Um, If you're listening, I don't know if you know this, but I watch probably 95% of the White Sox baseball games this year. Um, So what did I see from Andrew Vaughn? That would make him untradeable. Specifically from Andrew Vaughn, um, and I didn't even prepare for this, but I could give you my honest opinion on it. Andrew Vaughn is the kind of guy, very clearly, we can all we all know it, he struggled against hard-throwing righties. 
Um, he hit lefties, obviously, very well. His splits were amazing against lefties. Uh, he had a stretch right before the second half, uh, right before the first half ended, actually, where he was out of this world. He was hitting everything in sight. Uh, you can maybe look, you could look up his stats. I believe his weighted runs created plus, which is, you know, 100 is the average. His weighted runs created plus was actually about 140, I believe, or something around that, which is all star level in terms of like where that number is. Um, and he was hitting off of right handed pitchers. He was hitting off decent right handed pitchers at that point in time. Uh, something happened in the, in the beginning of the second half. He went on a terrible stretch. He got hurt. Uh, he, he didn't play as much down in September. He kind of, he kind of fell off a little bit, which if we're being honest, that was his longest season ever because he had never played, you know, a full year of minor league ball. He played college. He obviously did some travel stuff and, you know, USA baseball stuff too, but he never had that full season of major league baseball on him or even minor league baseball on him, which is a completely different animal than, you know, a college baseball season or even like a, a USA baseball, you know, traveling the world, playing other countries type thing either. So I I wouldn't trade him just because of what I've seen in those stretches and just because he hasn't had a full year to develop technically um, and, and, and like in the minor leagues or even in the majors, right? Like he had he had some times where he was off, he was hurt. Um, I think I think uh, the talent he displayed with his experience – in professional baseball was in, was amazing in terms of like how much time he had. So that's one of the reasons why I would not trade Andrew Vaughn unless a superstar type player was coming back. And obviously you're probably gonna have to package Vaughn with like a crochet or something if you're getting a superstar back. Um, but, you know, even so Andrew Vaughn for me, that's why I wouldn't trade him. But obviously nobody's off the table in every scenario. Yeah. So his lefty, he hit, 269 against lefties, 221 against righties. The power numbers are basically 50-50. Eight against lefties, seven against righties. So he hits for higher average against lefties, which is that's I mean that's that's pretty much standard for right-handed hitters. Um, but no, I, I was just kind of interested to see your take. Like w- like what makes you think that he'd be untradeable? I don't think he'd be untradeable. I just wouldn't go out. I don't think Rick Khan's gonna go out and say, "Hey, Andrew Vaughn's available." this is what we're going to like, like this, this is what we want back from. Like there's, there's like players you do that with. Like obviously Han was like, Hey, Chris sales available. We're going to move him, Right. I don't think that he's going to be doing that with Vaughn. However, if the angels come out and say, Hey, you know what? We're strong for cash. We need other positions. We have to fill. We're willing to take offers for Mike Trout. We want your best back and you're going to take some cash. Give us your best offers. I would expect in a situation like that, Hans like, hell yeah, we're going to give you Vaughn. We'll even maybe throw in Kopech to get that kind of deal done, you know? So that's the only time I find it acceptable. Obviously, I'm just throwing Trout because it's the name that comes to my head. But, like, you know, it could be with the Orioles like Cedric Mullins, right? If the Orioles are like, hey, we're shopping Mullins. We want to get some young players back in return. We're trying to build this foundation a little better. Mullins is 26-27. He's not going to fit in as much as we want him to. Okay. Here's Vaughn. I'd be 100% okay with that. Mullins is a great player. He's a 30-30 guy. You even throw in a pitcher, you get that done, man. You get that done with Vaughn, and, like, nobody blinks an eye. So those are the kinds of guys that I would want back in return. If you trade Vaughn for, like, another prospect that's kind of – like a, like if there's some stupid trade out there, like Vaughn for Jared Kalenic, like, that would kind of piss me off because I know Kalenic kind of fills the void, but you're basically giving one guy who's young and unproven 
but has the amazing potential for another guy who fits the same description. Yeah, they're the same mold. Yeah, I just I don't think you do that because it just kind of doesn't make any sense. Really, you kind of you bank on what you got. I feel like and and he has a better offensive potential, and on top of that, he fills a void that Abreu is gonna you know leave when he uh, that Abreu is gonna have left the Sox when he leaves. So yeah, I don't know. I just. Uh, I think that Vaughn, he, he certainly has a, a chance to get traded, but not as much as a lot of Sox fans are, are, like, putting out there. Yeah, no, and, like, going back to your original point, like, or original question, like, I think he's on the table. I think all names will be on the table because you you, you got to listen to the offers, right? But, the re- like, I don't – I 100% think he will not be traded. And part of the reason being because you guys are in your window right now. He had a good rookie year. He had a pretty, pretty, pretty good rookie year. And he's so cheap. He's like five hundred thousand dollars, and like, like yeah. that's the way that that's the way that franchises are going right now. Like, yeah, like like his average, he's probably worth. He's probably like a ten million dollar player to be honest, and he's making five hundred thousand dollars. So like, he's especially a-, a team like the Sox, which you talked about off air before we started the podcast. Like, Jerry's probably going to shed money this off season. Jerry, so thought- you're not going to trade a guy that's making half a million dollars and he's got the production of like a ten million dollar player. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I think uh, I think uh, Kimbrel's definitely going to be off the team, um, and I think they're going to try to do whatever they can do to get Keiko off the team too. Which is, I want to see if Juan actually can pull that off. Yeah. How about goes. that? How about that Kimbrel trade? <laughs> yeah, you got the I, I tell, you got Nicky strikes, man. He's uh, he's going to be a good one, man. And Cody, you guys, bad you guys. You guys bought very high, and I don't think Kimbrough's value value is. I mean, after this last month, I mean, dude, teams are not going to want to give up a lot for so him. This like, is the thing. This is the thing, though. This is the thing, right? So, a lot of people are going to be like, "Oh, we need to get younger prospects back." Like, you know, kind of like, oh, like nine, eighteen, nineteen year old guys who are, you know, maybe have a decent chance of making it. Right? That's just not what you do here. You don't do that. You concede the trade in that in that sense. You're probably still going to concede the trade against the Cubs at that point because Madrigal is going to be better than anything you're going to get back, in my opinion. So what you do is you go out and you look for a guy who's struggling or who has struggled for the past few years on another team. And obviously, Kimbrell had recent success with the Cubs. He didn't have his, his closures role with the Sox. Kind of threw him off a little bit, right? That's well-established. Tony LaRusso said it. You know, I kind of fought that idea, but I'm, I'm on board with it now because it makes sense. You know, he just wasn't in his element. You go out and you find a guy on another team who has that kind of – who's kind of in the same boat as Kimbrell. They got one or two years left. They have all the potential in the world, but they haven't been performing. Who are you going after, Ryan? Because I got somebody on my mind. Repeat that question. I was watching the, uh, the Bills-Titans game. Re- re- repeat. <laughs> All right, one more time for you, right? You got to go out and you have to get somebody who has had insane seasons, right? Kimbrough, obviously one of the greatest, if not the greatest closer of all time. They've had recent successful, you know, seasons, but have struggled more the most recent, right? So that, like, people that apply with Kimbrough, right? Kimbrough had a dominant first half, had a terrible second half. Who in your mind do you think the Sox could trade who kind of fits the same mold, he's really expensive, maybe plays a position that had did not have a good year and the team probably would want to get rid of him? You're not talking about Dallas Keuchel, are you? 
Oh, no, I'm not. I'm talking about a guy on a different team that the Sox could trade Kimbrell for. Oh, oh, I got you. Uh, what position? For me, I have there a guy. a lot of guys out there. Oh, I know. Well, I'm just asking, like, do you have anybody off the top of your head? Because I certainly have a few, and I know a lot of people on Sox Twitter have, a, have, a, have an idea, but. No, off the top of my head, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, man, 100%. You know who I'm going after? He's playing in the Dodgers right now. His name's Cody Bellinger, my friend. You go after Cody <sighs> Bellinger. Look at Cody Bellinger's stats this year and tell me that he's worth $19 million in arbitration he's going to be getting. He, Mario. He had an absolutely terrible year. The Dodgers have already said, or there's already been reports saying that the Dodgers are not even sure if they're going to pick up his – his arbitration, they might, they might, uh, they might uh, send him on his way because they don't want to give him the seventeen odd million dollars he's owed, right? They Mario, need you do the trade. Mario, <clears throat> what's up? Let me hear it. I yeah. don't know if that was like a hot take, but in this universe and in any alternate parallel universe, Kimbrough is not being traded for Cody Bellinger. Okay, no, let me hold up. I need you to look at his stats, though. Hold on. Stats and tell me that. Hold it on. Would, it wouldn't like make any sense. I mean, obviously, you could throw another piece in that situation too, maybe entice it a little more. But I think it kind of makes sense if the Dodgers are just going to let him go. Why not get a guy like Kimbrel back to fill a void, put him in that spot? Maybe he finds his element again. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know the Dodgers <laughs> plan with, with Bellinger, but. The guy's an MVP talent. He might have had one bad year. Who knows if he's battling injuries or what? he's injured for a long Like, I know he was injured this year. Who knows how, how long that was lingering for? Like, Chris Bryant, it came out like, what was it, the year before or last year? He was injured like the whole season. And he was just playing through it. That's why his numbers were so bad. Like, I don't know if Bellinger was injured the entire year and was just trying to play through it. But also, you got the, the Dodgers, they have Gratterall, who is who's going to be a closer. He throws like 103 miles per hour. They do they have, have they have Joe Kelly. They've got um, what's that other guy? Oh, Trinan. I mean, I know Trinan's a free agent this He's year. A, so basically, Kenley's a free agent. Trinan's a free agent. Uh, those guys are probably going to be out the door. They need yeah, to- but you could sign Blake Trinan like they did for for ten million dollars, and he'll be just as shut down as he is every single year. I, I think that Trinan's going to get a little bit more than that per year after the like the kind of performance he's been putting out. But beside that, the Dodgers really. Uh, the thing with the Dodgers is that they got a lot of free agents coming aboard. So Seager's going to be out there, right? Um, Kershaw, which, you know, he's hurt. He might, he might. Um, Kenley's going to be gone. Trinan's going to be gone. Um, I don't know if I, did I just say Seager, but he's going to be gone. Obviously Pujols is going to be off the books. Guys like that. They got a lot of voids. Chris Taylor's going to be out there. He's going to be a free agent. Yeah, um, man. The Dodgers are going to have some questions like Scherzer's going to be gone. Trey Turner okay. will be gone. Trey is not going to be gone. Trey oh, he's got extra years? Trey's got another year. He's got another year. However, I've been hearing and been, like, seeing that they're trying to extend him, um, especially if they lose Corey Seager. I'm sure they will. Uh, Justin Turner, I think, has got a year or two left. Uh, will Smith, is he's, he's a, he was a prospect a few years ago. He's got plenty. Um, Mookie's obviously there for a long time. That's why, if you really think about it, right, they have voids to fill. Cody Bellinger is going to be about 18, 19 a year. And he had a terrible year. Like he had a, a year that like for a guy of his caliber was so bad that you could make an argument that you could let him go because you don't want to pay the $18 million in arbitration. You just don't want to do it. So my theory is 
you give the Dodgers a, a solid, maybe a solid prospect that you got. You give them Kimbrel, the money evens out, and you get Bellinger back because you don't want to bank on more prospects to hit. That's my theory. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people would, would like be on board with that for sure. Obviously, I think that would depend on the Dodgers and if they wanted to do it. Yeah, Sox fans would be on board. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Kimbrel, yeah. But honestly, though, like, would you, if you could go off to some like diehard Dodger fans, right? Who've seen Bellinger absolutely suck it up all year. I know he had the big hit to, you know, win the game for the, against the Giants and, and the division series there. But I know, man, and if you look back at it, a lot of Dodgers fans were booing Bellinger at the end of the year because he was so bad. He was, people were, you know, upset with him, you know, for being hurt off the field, all this other stuff. And when he was playing, he wasn't any good. So I think that's how you, I think that's how you could, at the very least, kind of come around this Kimbrel trade with some sort of hope and like that we didn't, you know, lose it that bad to the Cubs in, in that sense. I don't want them going after prospects. So I don't, um, that's not what I want in this situation. I think you gotta, you gotta trade Kimbrel for something that, that is equivalent to Kimbrel, right? Somebody who struggled, somebody who's owed money, but who can be a big piece. That's my thought. Yeah. I mean, that's, the whole Kimbrel situation, like when the Sox traded for him, that I seriously thought that that, I mean, both ways, like that was a great trade because you had the extra year of control with him. And he had a sub, a sub half run ERA. It was like 0.49 when you guys got him. But like what you just said, like you don't want prospects back for him. After the year that he just, or the second half that he just had, like, I don't think you're going to get major league, like, all-star talent back. Like, and I really, really don't. You shouldn't expect that either. I'm not saying – Well, that's that. what it's making it sound like you want. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me rephrase that again. Because I don't think that Ballinger had a good enough year to be like, oh, he's a, he's obviously a star in the game. He just had a terrible year. And he had a terrible 2022. Obviously, that's like – there's an asterisk next to it. But he, it wasn't that good either. In, in like in accordance with like his standards, you know. So I'm just like he's like one of the guys you can go after, right? You go after those kinds of guys. There's not very many that could like be a spark for you or anything, but you got to go after those kinds of guys, man. Like that's just the way it is with this kind of thing because obviously they're gonna pick up the option, and who knows? Maybe Han can work out some magic. I mean, that's that's my hope, right? That's all we can hope for here. Let's hope Han does something well with it. Let's hope he can get just something that helps the team out next year for Kimbrel, because uh, right now it uh, it looks like they're going to pick up that option, and I don't think they're going to be stuck with him for too much longer after that. So uh, yeah, we'll no, see. I think they'll I think they'll pick it up and obviously flip him or try to flip him. I don't know what they will get in return, but uh, just going back on Cody Bellinger really quick, like dude, I didn't know. I just looked up his his stats this year. Dude, they they were awful. Like yeah. really bad, but he only played. He played about half a season, and uh, his WAR was minus one and a half. And uh, I mean, I obviously don't watch a lot of Dodgers games; they're not televised around here. And uh, one thing, and I don't know if this is true, but just watching him in the past, like his swing is so long. And I don't know if like pitchers just started like beating him with ninety five at the top of the zone, and his long swing just can't get to it. That's what I'm assuming is happening. Because every time I watch his swing, like it's it's one of the longest swings in baseball, and like he would crush things down on the zone. Um, I don't know if you know this, like I don't know if you know the the, the answer, but 
I'm guessing pitchers were just just throwing fastballs up in the zone. And he's just swinging underneath it or what? I mean, you, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but you would obviously like if anybody who knows about pitching right or just the game in general, if you get if you get beat up and in, and if pitchers know that you're getting beat up and in, they're gonna throw you up and in, right? They're not gonna give you like the the juicy gravy stuff down the middle or down at your knee or whatever. Um, Bellinger was that's something he was really good at. He was really good at laying off that kind of pitch up and in from his MVP seasons. And we've seen it, we've seen it with guys like Christian Yelich too, right? Like, what's going on with them? Like, some <laughs> they were running the league in 18 19, and now they're just like mediocre, you know, not even worth a war player. Like, it's it's so weird to me. That's something that, that maybe we could look into for the next podcast because obviously we got nothing else to talk about besides football and you know the playoffs. But yeah, like I was watching, I was watching Yelich. Um, I mean, I watched him a decent amount because he obviously plays the Cubs a lot. And I was watching him in the postseason. Like he looks lost at the plate. Like he looks like there's two people that have played a lot of baseball. Like you know when you go in those slumps and you go up to the plate and you just don't feel comfortable. You don't feel confident. Yeah. That that's just how he looked to me. Like I just, there's no confidence in his swing at all right now. Like he was getting fooled. He was taking fastballs right down the middle. Like when I was watching him, I was just watching a lost player at the plate, which is a shame because he was he was an MVP. He was insane. He was insanely good. He was over 300 hitter. He was an over 400 OBP guy. I mean, he's he was insane. And Bellinger the same. And for whatever whatever happened to him, they both fell off at the same time. And it yeah, was, like the happened. the Brewers gave him that massive contract, made him the face of the franchise. And I don't know if the weight of that like really weighted down, weighted him down, or or what. But like I said, man, he just felt lost, or he looked lost at the plate. And as as a guy that's played baseball, and I've had that same feeling. Like it is the worst feeling in the world when you go up in the box and like you just have no confidence at all. Especially at this high of a level, when you're facing 95 and wipe out sliders, like that. I mean, that's just got to be an awful, awful feeling. Especially considering where he was, the standard of his play. Got to feel bad for him a little bit. <laughs> like seriously, I mean, that's that's tough, dude. Especially when you get that massive contract, you know, and the, and the the city expects you to perform like an MVP. They expect you to play like a 200 plus million dollar player, and it's just yeah. not there. Like that's that's got to be just a horrible feeling. Well, uh, did you see – I know somebody put it out. I, I don't remember who put it out, and I honestly can't remember when I thought, but I saw it recently. It was when the, when the – he had called out you Darvish. You remember that? Yep. He, ever since he called out you Darvish, they posted his stats or whatever since that, and it, they've been absolutely terrible. So maybe there was some truth to that, the whole you uh, Darvish calling him out thing, right? Yeah, didn't you Darvish say that he was uh, he was cheating? was cheating right and he said like nobody needs help hitting off you or whatever and next thing you know he's hitting like you know 210 with you know 290 obp so like it's just uh maybe maybe there's some truth to it right who knows i mean you gotta think like really you gotta think it it does make (laughs) you like ponder like because it's very true you darvish called him out and ever since that it's just gone to shit for him (laughs) like what it does it does make you think it does. It does. I mean, that's a that's a that's one of the theories out there. I'm not saying I believe it, but I mean, it could it could be true, I suppose, because of, of like how bad he's been. But uh, nevertheless, those are my thoughts on the Kimbrel stuff. Right. Bellinger had a dog shit year. Maybe you might get the Dodgers out w- without their uh, without their thinking cap on or maybe they just do it anyway because it's funny. Who knows? 
Um, but uh, we're 40 minutes in here. Obviously, we talked a lot about ball, and uh, we'll we'll be uh, doing our free agent prediction episode probably in a few weeks when the season's over officially before free agency starts. We'll see who gets the most right on that. That should be fun. But uh, with that, so we got to talk about how the Bears got owned by So, Ryan, I'm going to leave it to you because obviously I'm not Bears. I'll just be the unbiased bystander here on this one. What are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers saying that uh, he fucking owns Chicago again, you know? Well, my thoughts about that are he does own Chicago. Like <laughs> literally he is he is he owns Chicago. He owns the Bears. He has his entire career. As a Bears fan, before him it was Brett Favre just coming into Soldier Field and even we'd go up to Lambeau just absolutely owning us. Now it's been Aaron Rodgers for the last ten years. It's been absolutely miserable. And uh every word that he said, the three words that he said, I own you or whatever, I own you still I dude, it rings true. He, I think in the last – I heard the stat. In the last 18 games, I believe, against the Packers, we're like 3-15. and 15. And one of those games, Aaron Rodgers did not play because he broke his collarbone. Um, the other game was the, the game that we won the division – or the game that sealed the division, the Mitch Trubisky years. Other than that, it's basically just been getting swept by the Packers every single year. Um. But just talking about the game a little bit, like, the defense played really good. Like, as far as, like, slowing the Packers down and slowing Aaron Rodgers down, like, up until the fourth quarter, they had only given up 17 points, which if you've given up 17 points to the Packers going into the fourth quarter, you have a tremendous chance, a tremendous opportunity to win that game. But, dude, the offense just can't score points. The offense every single week, no matter who the quarterback is, what they're doing, they just can't score points. And if the defense doesn't get turnovers, and it's been like this for the last six years, if the defense doesn't either score their own points or turn the ball over and give give the offense tremendous field goal or field position, they just can't create their own offense. They can't create drives that drive down the field and put the ball in the end zone. And uh, like a few podcasts ago, when when Andy Dalton was still starting. Like, I was very adamant that I wanted Justin Fields to start. I wanted him to start. I wanted him to start. And watching the game, watching, like, the last couple of games, like, it's kind of made me realize that, like, Justin Fields, like, he's still got, like, a lot of learning to do. Like, I think I was a little ambitious in my Justin Fields um, thoughts. Like, he's still got a lot of learning to do. I still got to remember that he's a rookie quarter, uh, quarterback. And that I just got to take the highs with the highs and the lows with the lows with him. And that each week is a learning week for him. It's almost like, it's almost like a rebuild. Like, like you're, you're competing, but at the same time, like you're, you're letting the rookie quarterback play through his mistakes. So I just got to take a step back and realize that it's not going to be perfect. When Dalton was starting and Fields was on the bench, like I wanted Fields to come in. I wanted him to be this generational talent, but he's just not there yet. And I just got to accept that. Like, he's a rookie quarterback. He's going to make his mistakes like he has the last couple weeks. And you just got to ride with him. So, as a Bears fan, watching Justin Fields, I need to take a step back and realize that he's just – he's not there yet. Hopefully, week by week, the more he plays, he will get there. But as of now, it's just – like I said, he's just not there yet. Well said. I would say that's well said. Um, let me ask you this. A few weeks ago, we predicted if the Bears would win or lose. And, like, certain weeks, we did that. Um, 
we all predicted the Raiders would beat them. Obviously, the Bears beat the Raiders. Pretty decent game for the Bears overall. Um, they got the Bucks and they got the Niners, right? So, obviously, the Niners have been beat up a little bit. Jimmy G's coming back this weekend, and George Kittle should be back, hopefully, on that game against the Bears on Halloween. Um, so, you'll probably be getting a fully healthy Niners team, and you're getting the Bucks in Tampa. What are your thoughts going into these next two weeks? What do you think? What, what do we think in Tampa, and then what do we think <laughs> against the Niners? Um, well, for Tampa, not feeling good about it. I was looking at, uh, I was looking at DraftKings earlier and they're 13 and a half point, uh, dogs. So plus 13 and a half, not feeling good about it at all. I mean, the Bucks are a great team. Like Tom Brady's going to put up probably 35 points. And that's the thing with the Bears, dude. Like when you play these, these teams that are high scoring, high octane offense teams, like their offense just can't match these other teams. You know, like the Bucks, they're going to score between, I don't know, put it 24 to 35 points. Just write it down. They're going to score that many points. The question is, can the Bears match that and exceed that? And where their offense is, it's no, they cannot. So even the Niners, like you said, they're beat up. I don't really, to be honest, don't really know much about the Niners. I don't know how many points they score if they're a high-scoring team. But whatever team scores more than 24 points – the Bears are going to have a really, really hard time beating them simply because their offense can just not match the other team. So I will say this. Obviously, the Niners have been struggling to score just because of all the – obviously, Raheem Mostert's out and Jimmy Garoppolo's been out and George Kittle's out. Um, I mean, they really had Trey Lance last week against the Cardinals, who honestly, he had he had some, some like, rookie mistakes that, you know, he, he had a couple opportunities where he could have scored and just didn't. Uh, did something wrong with the ball at the, in the red zone. Um, frustrating things, um, but that's you know neither here nor there in the conversation because he probably won't be starting in that game. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo will be back. I'm assuming Kittle will be back. If not, he'll be back the week after. So I know Bears fans are probably hoping that they don't see him. Um, but with that, I mean, with those guys, the Niners could definitely score 20 to 30 points, and the defense for the Niners is pretty decent. I mean, they shut down Kyler Murray. Overall, I mean, he scored, I believe it was 27, 28 points or whatever it was. They shut him down pretty decently, though. I mean, that's going to probably be the uh, the MVP of the NFL this coming year. So they shut him down overall in that that Cardinals offense. I mean, to, they shut him to about 28 or so points, which they score a lot of points. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's going to be a tough one, I feel like, for the Bears coming up. I think, if anything, they, they could squeak one through against the Niners because they're at home and – like you said, the whole defensive thing, I think that's going to be a very low-scoring game, um, especially if George Kittle's still out. Um, we'll see, though, man. We'll see. I'm, uh, I'm pumped for that game. Uh, I, love, uh, I love when the Niners come to Chicago. It's great. I'm a Niners fan, as you know, so it should be fun. Yeah, no, that game will be a lot of fun. And from what you were just saying, it kind of seems like the, the Bears and the Niners in the same situation. Like, they're just having a hard time matching um, the other team offensive wise. And I mean, that's tough. I mean, you can't win in the NFL if you can't, if you can't score points, like especially in today's age, like the monsters of the midways back in the Erlocker days. And even going all the way back to the eighties, like the defense just shut teams down. Like all the offense was score 14 points, 20 points, and they could win. But mm-hmm. the way that offenses are in the NFL now, just high flying scoring 30 points a game. Like geez, the bears just can't compete with that. And they haven't been able to, like I said, unless the, unless the defense scores their own points or flips the field and gives the Bears um, plus field goal or field position, they just can't score. 
and it's it's very frustrating. Like I watch I watch a lot of football games, and like right now, the Bills thirty one, Titans twenty seven. It's like, wh- why can the Bears not? <laughs> it's just like every game I watch, I feel like it's twenty seven twenty four or thirty one twenty seven, whatever it is, and then the Bears game, it'll be like seventeen to seven in the third quarter or something like that. It, it, every week, the offense just can't do it. So until they until they can click, until they can score points, it's going to be rough, man. Well, you got a long season still, man. It's barely October. You got them until probably December to to witness the team, see the growth. It's it's going to be. Hopefully, it'll be all right. Um, hopefully, Fields pans out. It looks like he he's it looks like he's doing you know decent to start his career so far. So. Um, let's hope the he can just go upward from here, and hopefully the Bears can do the same, man. Yeah, he's doing all right. Like I said, week by week, as long as he just keeps getting better and better and better, eliminating the mistakes, and just keep keep learning each week, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I still think he's a generational talent. He'll get there. But like I said, like before he played, I expected him to be that talent right away, and I just gotta I just gotta accept that it's not there yet. But hopefully, each week by week, he keeps showing that he is. You sound like uh, 2017 Mar with uh, with Yamankata and the prospects, man. That's what you sound like right now. Yeah, dude. Look, look, it panned out. So <laughs> it panned it, out. Did the team is looking great? Also, you'll get there, man. Bears fans, you will get there. It's it's got, it's upon you soon. Uh, with that, uh, we have. Uh, I honestly didn't prepare a beef, but I'll let you go first this week on that. All right, good. I, I'll give you time to prepare because I've got two beefs. Oh wow! Here we go. I got two beefs. First one's quick, and they're both with myself. My first beef is a listener reached out and said that I say dude too much in the episodes. And I agree with them. I do say dude too much. So I made a conscious effort this podcast to not say dude at all. And I think I maybe let one or two of them slip out, but I think it was a lot better than previous ones. So to that listener, thank you for re- uh, for reaching out and sharing that and i took your advice first beef second beef the other one's with myself as well dude i am in too many fantasies (laughs) i am in too many fantasy things i did baseball this year i have three football fantasies and then i had a basketball draft last night so that is a lot of dedication a lot of dedication Number two, it's a lot of money. I think in fantasy this year, I've probably spent about $300 in fantasy that I probably will not win. There's a good (laughs) chance I won't win any of them. I mean, I did, technically, I did co-champion with Jake, so I technically did kind of win that one. But it's a lot of money. Third, fantasy football. When you have three fantasy footballs, it gets to the point where, like, you have a guy on your team in one league that you want to do really good to win that league, but then you'll be playing a guy in another league that's also got that t- guy on his team. So it's like you want the guy to do really good because you're playing, you have him in one league, but you're playing another guy in another league that's got the same guy. So you're like rooting against that person at the same time, and it makes it not even fun. Yeah. Especially when you're in three leagues. It happens all the time. I I 100% uh, agree with that, man. It happened to me in baseball this last year. I was in, like, a few leagues, and I had to give up on a few. And, yeah, man. I... Yeah, it's just too much. Like, I was doing the fantasy basketball draft last night, and I was like, this is just too much. I, like, I am <laughs> fantasied out. 
so those are my beefs, both of them with myself. One, I need to quit saying dude so much. And two, next year, I have noted in my brain, I'll need to do one fantasy football league. Respect. So I hope I gave you time. There's my two beefs. I have time, man. I have time now. I, I got I got my beef, all right. So obviously with the season ending, it gave me uh it gave me time to do other things in life. So I'll keep this beef <laughs> something non sports related. I finally got I finally had time to give to my girlfriend and you know, she did it, right? Baseball kinda of took up a lot of my time, so she was well deserved. Uh we started we started watching Netflix stuff and obviously I don't know if you've seen it, Ryan, but we saw uh, we saw this uh, show called Squid Game. It's uh, <laughs> on throughout uh, throughout uh, the world, it seems. So, obviously, spoiler alert here. So, if you don't want to get it spoiled for yourself, uh, I don't know if you care enough, Ryan, but I'm going to ruin it for you anyway. Uh, so <laughs> I haven't seen it, but go ahead. So, basically, uh, there's these games these people play. Obviously, as if, in, if, if, you, if you're still listening, you've probably already seen it, so you don't care. Um, there are multiple characters in this show. Essentially, there's only going to be one winner at the end. These people all play for, you know, 54 million water in U.S. dollars. That's like 40 million bucks. Um, so um, there's a, there's an old man in the game. You know, he's an old dude. Uh, turns out this old dude actually is the guy who invented the game. He was just playing for fun because, you know, for whatever reason. right? But this guy, I mean, obviously he, he invented the games, you know. So this entire time we're feeling we're feeling bad that you know this guy loses in a game. We think he's dead, whatever. It's just not the case. He's still alive. Um, dude comes back at the end. He's like, "Oh yeah, I invented the games. Like I did it for amusement. We were rich. We were bored. This and that and the other." I'm like, "That's such bullshit, man. Like, how <laughs> how are you gonna do this to people? You know?" So my beef is with the old man. Uh, he ended up dying at the end. I hope he rots in hell. Uh, and uh, you know you suck for that. I'll, but you know at, at the same time, thank you for giving us amusement in the show. That was great. Yeah, so I have not seen uh, Squid Games. And, like, I don't know why this is part of my personality, but whenever things become, like, super trendy and really popular, I make, like, a conscious decision not to join that, like, trendy, super popular thing just out of spite. Like, when TikTok – I still don't have a TikTok. But when I don't TikTok a- came out, I was like, nope, not doing it just because everybody else is doing it. And Squid Games, like, everybody is watching Squid Games. So I was like, no, I'm not going to watch it. Maybe I'll wait, like, six months, and then I'll watch it when nobody else is. And listen, when it comes to that, obviously, we got a few minutes left before, you know, we, we get hit with the timer here. But the, the the show is, like, it's supposed to catch you. Obviously, at this point, you've probably seen enough. And, like, I just told you, like, basically one of the biggest, like, plots in the story. But when you know enough about it, it makes it easier to watch. But when you go in blind, like I did, you're just like, holy shit, like, what the heck is going on here? Like, there's no way this is, like, like you just think it's something's going to happen in the show to make it, like, oh, this is just a, you know, like a a random thing that it, you, you were being fooled or whatever, something along those lines. Just, it wasn't true. It just didn't, like, there's no way this is true. And it was true, you know? And, and then you kind of, like, realize it and, it, and it just goes from there. And, like, they're playing games and they're dying if they lose. It's like, holy damn, like, that's that's nuts, you know? So, yeah. So, so somebody explained this show to me, and – the way they explained it was like it's a real game where people actually die in real life, or is it like it's or is it like a production? So basically, it can't be real. Like people aren't actually dying. Real. Netflix isn't like actually not, putting that out. I don't know where you heard people are not really dying. Like no, 
It's a TV show. It's fake. <laughs> okay, because the person explained to me explained it as if like it's a real game show and people are like dying. No, and I was like, holy shit! Like no. Netflix is showing something where people no. are fucking dying. People are not really dying. However, these are games that people actually play. Like they're kids' games. So basically, you're playing kids' games, and the people are actually dying in the show who are playing these games. Now, like it's fake. Obviously, it's a show. But in the show, they're actually dying after they lose the kid game, which is kind of like, you know, it's kind of like screwed up, right? You're going, people, they went in, they thought they were just playing a game, and then somebody screws up and they die, and like the first one to die, and people start freaking out, you know? So it's one of those things where like in the show, yes, they're really dying, but it's a it's a TV show, man. Like, you know, it's like. <laughs> okay. That, I mean, that's what I thought the whole time, because when this person explained it to me, I was like, dude, there is no way. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's a game show in Korea. People die. I'm like, holy no. shit. It's. I mean, that's that's. It's a game show. It is a game show in Korea, like in the show. Like it's a it's a show for like richer people who, like, pay. The, they pay the winner, you know, and they do it for their amusement. Okay. They gamble on who's gonna win and like all this stuff, you know. And, and you kind of like as you go on in the show, you you get like more. You you get into it a little more and like oh you know I'm starting to get it and like there's a lot of things that I like about the show a lot is that they leave kind of hints and stuff that aren't necessarily like they're not like you know highlighted you know like in the show you'll be like they'll show something and you'll be like oh i have to remember that for later like in this show it's like you look in the background and you see something and then it actually like it's a it's something that will will, will make sense in the future and they'll go back on it and they'll be like oh well that was there and that was trying to show you something so it's definitely like showing attention attention to detail kind of show so that's what i like about it but nevertheless the old man uh, i hope he's burning in hell right now definitely week <laughs> All right. Well, I got you. That makes a lot more sense. People aren't actually dying, and <laughs> Netflix isn't actually putting it's, this out it, there. Whoever told you that was probably just fooling around. And that's they seem convincing. I think I'm a smart person. <laughs> I hope. I hope. Yeah. I don't you know. Can, you can tell the person to rest to rest easy tonight because that's just not true. That's not. I mean, I. I mean, it could be happening somewhere. Like for all we know, like who knows, right? Like something like that could be happening. Who knows? Yeah. Very true. Certainly not in the show, though. Very true. Um, with that being said, you got anything else before we end here? We got like a minute and a half. I was about to say, we got, yeah, we got a minute and a half. Got anything else? Chop it up. What do you want to talk uh, about? Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and we hope to see you again next week. All right. We'll do it again next week. I appreciate right. it, Mario. Have a good one. All right. Good talk, Pops. Bye.